0: A little over three years ago, I faced a life-threatening incident, event that involved a man who attacked me. Now, I've told this story before, so some of you are familiar with it. I'm gonna get into just a little bit more detail for reasons of this passage. I was at the university, the Baptist University, where I taught at, and I was returning from Lent on my way back to the university. As I was driving, an SUV vehicle blew the stop sign. Just blew through it. And it almost ran right into me. I, I took evasive action to avoid it, and 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 ended up avoiding it. And it t- and it just went past me. And as I'm driving, trying to gain control of the vehicle, I could see through the rearview mirror that he kept going and it almost crashed into some other cars down the road behind me. So I got back on the road and I kept driving to the university, and I was going to the street where I was t- supposed to turn at to get to the university. And I noticed in my mirror that that same vehicle was heading my way at a very high rate of speed. It was coming at least in my direction. So I, I continued my turn and I went to the university and I started going into the, pulling into the driveway to into the parking lot. And I noticed that vehicle making a turn at the street corner. <laughs> coming my way at a very accelerated speed. I got into the driveway parking lot and I realized that this guy's coming after me. I cannot go park in front of the university. That's where all the students are at. So I just pulled over, sitting there hoping this guy's just gonna keep going and maybe lost me if he was indeed be trying to find me. Well, guess what? As I was waiting, I heard a screeching sound, and, and I saw that SUV screeching to a halt, it, halt as it was trying to turn into the driveway where I was at. And he did. He made the turn, and he pulled right behind me. So I exited the vehicle. I got chastised by my son, who's a police officer, for doing that. But, I mean, perhaps he was going to apologize to me for almost killing me. Oh, perhaps it was a misunderstanding. There's just no telling. It was instinctive of me to do that anyway because I was a cop. I used to be I mean, engaged with stuff like that. So I get out and he gets out. He gets out of his vehicle and he goes, he turns around and he gets something from within the vehicle. He grabs something. And then he turns around and starts coming toward me. And as he was coming toward me, I noticed he was carrying something like this. And as he got closer to me, it appeared to be, a, could be a weapon here. So he comes right up to me and he, t- and he comes up and it was a hatchet. It was a hatchet, it's uh, smaller than an ax, a hatchet of gay, gay big, but he was carried by the face. But when he gets to me, he pulls down on it and he puts it in my face and he started to scream and yell and tell me all this stuff. And I did not understand anything he was talking about, nothing. And then he shows me this note, he puts it in my face. I can't read it. When I saw it, it made no sense. It was just a bunch of scribbly light. I finally tried to calm him down, try to settle them down. And I told him I was a pastor. I said, hey, listen, I'm a pastor. There's something wrong with you. There's something going on in your life. There's something that's happening that's got you very upset. I'm a pastor. Let me pray for you. You know what he did? He stopped. And then he took a step back away from me. Just like that. A little distance from me. And then in a voice, which I can only describe as demonic. He said, kneel before me and pray to me and I will kill you while you're praying. And at that time, I'm looking for an avenue of escape here. And I'm thinking, if I try to run, my trick me might give out on me and I'm not gonna be able to outrun this guy. young guy, look kinda athletic looking. And he had a hat that he could probably just throw it at me. So I'm looking for an out. And then he continues screaming at me. And this time I could understand, before I couldn't understand anything he was saying, this time I could hear him and understand what he was saying. He says, you don't believe I'll do it, do you? You don't believe I'll kill you, do you? He turns to my truck. He walks toward it with a hatchet, and he starts slashing and gouging big old marks into my truck. He hits the glass, he can't break it, and he gets even madder, he just cuts it up. And so he finally stops and turns around to come back toward me. And he's not far away from me. He's from here to the piano. And he starts coming back at me. And that time, a vehicle pulls into another vehicle out of the blue, pulls into the driveway. And he turns to the vehicle and sees it pull it in, and he starts walking toward it. So being the sharp guy I am, I jumped into my truck, and I jumped the curbs and everything. I went into a A field, a vacant lot, kept driving into it, trying to hide from this nut. You won't come across evil like that, I pray. You'll never have to do it. But I want you to hear me now. You are facing evil like that. You are facing it. It's relentless. It's attacking you all the time. It is real, and it is nonstop. There's no doubt that God intervened to save me, to stop it. That God certainly gave me grace to go through this and endure and move on. But evil through the loins of this man was well, certainly evil through the learning of this man had certainly had certainly reared its wicked face and that's what happens that's how evil works I mean evil we can talk about evil but it works through people incidences it works in many different ways and we are we're all no one's immune to it no one. So how are we, how are you to respond when faced with evil? That's what our passage is about today. Jesus is addressing this very question. Our Lord is telling his disciples as he is telling us today something incredible. Very incredible. He is saying to us, do not, do not resist the one who is evil. Wow. That throws us off. Come on, it throws us off. It is not what you would think you would hear. In fact, it's reverse of what you think you would hear him say. He is saying, do not resist the one who is evil. Listen, my brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a few commandments and, 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 and in the Bible, in God's word that go against our natural inclination, our natural instincts to protect ourselves, to, to honor ourselves that this commandment, it goes against our natural instincts, and I, and what I mean by that is I'm not saying you're not to, to uh, you're not to defend yourself. Of course, you're to defend yourself. Christ is saying, don't resist, and then He starts making it clearer to, as to what He means in our in our text today, and, and to better understand what our Lord is telling us in our text, we have to put our passage in context, okay? We have to put our passage in context. Okay, what is going on? Jesus is preaching his first big sermon as he starts his ministry. He's gone up a mountain and he is preaching a sermon. Now, he's not just preaching it out of the blue. We think it's, hey, wow, a beautiful sermon. He's teaching, he's preaching, he is directing us to to be obedient to what he's saying in this sermon. He is preaching to his disciples. That's us today. To His disciples at that time, his followers at that time, and his followers today. He is directing us today on how we are to respond when evil attacks. Now... I want you to understand that he is talking to us as individuals, okay? individual Christians, individual disciples, as the body of Christ, but individually. He is not talking about the civil magistrate. He's not talking about civil officials, civil authorities, government government officials. He's not talking about them. They have their job to do. He's talking about the focus of this. The focus of our text is on our behavior as Christ followers. On our behavior as Christ followers, when we encounter wickedness and evil on an individual basis, Christ is digging into an Old Testament passage, several Old Testament passages, as he commands us as to how to respond. And and again, this is a difficult passage. We've been going, we've heard nothing but difficult passages since since Christ started preaching to us. And here's another one. He's calling us not to, to, he's calling us, to, to not to, to not avenge ourselves. He's talking about, he's talking against retribution. He is bringing forth the uh, something that's in the Old and New Testament that we are reminded that vengeance is his, he will repay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Talking to you. He's talking to me, he's talking to us. That's pretty powerful language with the Almighty, he himself says, I will I will avenge you, I will avenge you and those who are against you. That's pretty powerful, that's more powerful than you could do, anything you, we could do. And that is what the Lord is promising us, promising us against anyone who might harm us. So make no mistake we when we are in Christ we are not to resist evil with evil instead we are to allow evil to run its course and not and don't allow evil to be inflamed by evil what what happens when evil compounds evil when evil and evil get together we see it in riots all the time on TV protests when somebody starts a fight or something keeps going, another one breaks out, another one breaks out, and then it's savage, and it is inflamed, and then it erupts, and many people are hurt, or and people may be killed. And that's what Christ is talking about. Now, to inflame it, evil versus evil creates a greater evil. When we allow evil to run its course, evil loses its power. It comes to an end. When we suffer through it, when we suffer through evil, it is revealed for what it is—sin. When evil comes against you, and it runs its course, it comes to an end. It will be revealed to. It will be revealed to. For what it is and it is sin we must not allow evil doers to tempt us to sin let me say that again we must not allow evil doers by doing evil against us to tempt us to sin to, 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 to commit a bigger sin a greater sin it's like that nonsense we see on tv or at the movies that movie chronicles of riddick I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. But at the very beginning of that, it's a series, uh, three, three movies, I think. But anyway, it's a series at the beginning of, I think, all three movies. The narrator comes on and she said, hey, the universe has gotten so evil. I mean, it is so evil that good cannot withstand it. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be conquered by a different type of evil. That's nonsense. It says, the only way to stop this evil, we gotta get a different type of evil to address this evil. That is, that's nonsense. That's chaos. But that's how the world thinks. That is not the way the Lord talks about it. That's not scripture. We cannot allow an evildoer, anyone, to cause us to commit sin. And that's what Christ is talking about today. That's the, certainly so that's the thrust of, uh, of, of the, the critical text, of the critical issue of this text. We are called to live our lives in the kingdom of God, in the here and now, very different, very different. That's why you look different. When you do things that you look different, you sound different because you're living different. You're called to live different. Do you think you're going to remain the same as you always were and respond the same way you've always responded to wickedness after you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? No. You're not depending on him. You're not living by for his glory. You're living the way he is calling us to live. Suffering, suffering is a part of it. Suffering willingly as a Christian certainly reflects Christ's likeness. Listen, Christ never promised us. The Word of God has never promised us that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that all of our problems would go away. That has never been promised. This is a broken world. It is an evil world. What we are promised, what Christ promises us, is that he will be with us every step of the way. He will give us the grace to endure. He will give us the grace to take the next step and move forward. And not respond to evil, with evil. That is that is a text. That's a thrust of of our text today so as we start looking at our passage we start realizing that we are called uh, that we have no right we have no right to retaliation in fact we, we don't have any rights to possession possessions we have no right even to money we have been entrusted with possessions we have been entrusted to by by god blessing us with a home We have been entrusted by the money that he has blessed us with. That's been entrusted to us. We have to be good stewards of that. But it is not ours. We don't have the right to it. So what happens when you lose it? Well, that was blessed. That was blessed by God. He took care of me. He will bless me again. He will provide for me. He will provide. He will always provide for you. As he promises. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at the passage and what it is telling us. He the Lord starts off by saying, you've heard, you've heard it said, meaning he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about scripture for them back then. He said, You've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, our Lord is speaking about, let me see, he's speaking about the He's speaking of our Lord. is speaking about the penal code of the the, uh, Israelites, the the the, the criminal code, the criminal code of the people. Okay, that's what he's referring to. And and it does state an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and then life for life and all that goes. It does say that, but it's given to the magistrates. It's given to the judges. It's given to the government, so they will not impose a a punishment. That does not fit the crime. If a man just happens to punch you in the the stomach, well, and then he he gets taken to jail, the judge is not going to say, okay, he's guilty of that. There are several witnesses. We're going to execute him tonight. You know, it's that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And that's why it was put into the law. They wanted to make sure that the magistrates of of Israel, of the people, were, were bound by... Rules too. They couldn't just impose something that, that didn't that, that didn't fit the crime, or they couldn't just let somebody go. The cru- the punishment had to be equal to the crime, so to speak. That's what that is. But you know what the people did? They did what we do. They took justice upon themselves. You know what? I will carry out the justice. And so when somebody strikes me, I will respond with justice myself. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I will render the judgment. And you are not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that, not even in the New Testament as Christ followers. And that's what Jesus is telling them. He's reminding them of that. So that was the letter of the law. Now he gets into the spirit of the law. He digs into the the passage. He digs into it. He talked about the letter of the law. Now he's going to get into the spirit of the law. And that's what he does in our passage. When he talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, then he goes into the next verse. He states, If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. If somebody strikes you on the right cheek, right cheek, turn the other one also. Well, there he is clearly talking about being insulted. How do we know that? How do we know it's talking about being insulted? Well, because for anyone, to, most people are right-handed. I'm going to have to turn around to do this, okay? Most people are right-handed. would you say there are some left-handed. Okay, right-handed. Okay, if you're going to strike somebody, you're going to strike them like that. That means you're going to hit their left cheek. Bang, or punch, or whatever. Okay, but he said when somebody strikes you on the right cheek, maybe Jesus has got this mixed up. No, he doesn't. What happens is that they're using their back hand. They so do the back of their hand. They're going like this. But when they do that, they hit our right cheek. That is done as an insult. That is done to insult you. That is done to attack your honor. To belittle you. And what does Jesus tell us to do? Turn the other one. Turn the other cheek. Let them. We cannot let our pride, our honor, cause us to commit evil. Turn your right, turn the other. You know an interesting story about that being slapped on the cheek? Wow. Jesus, during Passion Week, the Gospels talk about it. The Gospel of John especially talks about this. Jesus, during Passion Week, was struck on the cheek. Who struck on the cheek during passion week? They had taken him before the high priest, and he was being questioned, and he's responding to the questions of the high priest. And after he does that, one of the officers of the high priest slaps him on the cheek. You know what Jesus does? Okay. Jesus is there. Because he's being accused of uh, committing blasphemy. That, that is uh, the law of the land. The law, he committing a crime against the law of the land. So he's submitted to being charged and being tried against the law of the land. So now we have an officer slapping him in court. That That is against the law of the land. That's. Cruel and unusable is punishment because he hasn't been convicted of anything. It's just like here. We pattern our our laws uh, like those. So what does Jesus do? Well, he says this. He says, he he protests being slapped, And he says, if what I said is wrong, bearing witness about, uh, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. Okay, if what I said is wrong, get some witnesses about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? So he's calling on the judge to correct this this wrong that just happened to him. He's calling on the law of the land. What does that tell us? We can call on the law of the land to protect us. It is there. It is there to protect us. God has ordained, even in other countries, Even with with dictators, some type of order. But like here, I mean, the law of the land. if somebody hurts you physically and they get arrested, you're not going to go and say, hey, let them go, let them go. I don't want to put it. No, no, let the law do what it's supposed to do. That is God ordained. And if you're called to testify against them, go tell the truth. Tell them what happened. Let the law handle what it's supposed to do. That is what God has placed here. He's it's God ordained. You're calling on the law of the land and, and God has made it this way because if, if we didn't have this, what will we what will we have today? What will we have all over the world? Chaos. Chaos. We'd have to hunker down, get in our bunkers with our shotguns and rifles and just protect ourselves. That's not the way it is to be. It's bad enough the way it is now, anyway. That's what Jesus does he just calls on the law the lad he calls on the high priest and he and he, and he evokes his rights as a witness uh, and to testify to not be beat up because they're not hearing what they want to hear then Jesus moves he moves from there to to being sued being sued Jesus tells us in our text he says if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, that's a little foreign to us, some of the words that, that, that are used here. But first of all, he's talking about lawsuits. Okay, a lawsuit is so somebody brings a suit against something you did or something you said, and you said, I didn't say that. And they said, yes, you did. I didn't do that. Yes, you did. So they're accusing you of what? Lying. They're accusing you of lying. They're they're dishonoring you. They're disrespecting you. In open court, in front of everybody else. What does that do to our pride that gets us angry? How dare them do that? So we respond, we would we, we would respond to that very angrily and, and maybe even commit evils. And But we're called to live a different way in the kingdom of God in the here and now. And Jesus tells us about that. He tells us if somebody sues you and takes your tunic, the tunic is your shirt. And this has happened. Somebody sued the shirt off of you. Well, they sued you for your shirt. Antiquity, in the time of Jesus, they could not sue you for your tunic, your cover, your robe. That was against the law. That They would not entertain that. You could not be sued for your cloak. They could sue you for your shirt, but not your covering. And, and because the covering was a very important piece of clothing back then. People lived outside sometimes, and they used their covering to cover up at night. And, and fall asleep to, to not be cold and freeze or whatever. So that was not permitted. And what is Jesus telling us to do? If somebody wants to sue the shirt off of you, give them your cloak. Give them your, your, your jacket as well. Give it to them. Now, Jesus has used hyperbole before. He has used exaggerations before, okay? And some of this is exaggerated a little to prove his point to make sure you're understanding what he's saying. Remember what he said, hey, if your right eye causes you to lust at a woman, do what with that eye? What, what, to do what with that eye? You're having to pluck it out, gouge it out, throw it away. That way you won't lust. Better to enter heaven with one eye than enter the fires of hell, okay? Here he's telling us, hey, if they're gonna shoot the shirt off of you, and you're all upset because your honor is being disrespected. Give him your, give him your cloak as well. Give him your jacket as well. That's sending them. That's sending a message to us as to vengeance, as to pride. And now we, now here we're trying to get the point. We're trying to understand what Jesus is telling us. He's not telling us to give everything away and walk around naked. No, he's not but he's making a point about our pridefulness, our arrogance and stuff that's meaningless that people are accusing you of. He doesn't want us to devote ourselves to defending ourselves. He will defend us. He will avenge us. He will take care of that. Again, Jesus is using uh, this illustration to prove his point about lawsuits of being falsely accused. And then what does he do next? He goes into uh, um, going the the extra mile, going the extra mile, the second mile. And he uses that as an example. He calls us, Christ calls us to go the extra mile Uh, and, and not be insulted by it. He just willfully do it. Somebody asks for help, go to the extra bomb. If somebody wants you to do this, go to the extra bomb. But listen to this. Now, this, this is what's going on, okay? To the people that were reading this or hearing this, the, the Roman government, the, the Romans, had a law that said that a Roman soldier could commandeer anybody, commandeer dot. commandeer God, to to take my equipment and my guns and my ammo and carry it for me a thousand paces. That was the law. You had to do it. And when you, done finishes, I get somebody else to carry another thousand patients. Now, guess what I was doing? Guess what we're doing? We're carrying the equipment that this Roman soldier uses to oppress us. And Jesus is commanding us. He's telling us, hey, when someone tells you to, to ask you, tells you to ask, command you, whatever, to walk a mile. Go the second. That strikes a nerve. It gets into the heart of everyone there because they were they were oppressed by the the Roman government. To carry the soldier's equipment is an insult. People would be seeing you do it, and they would say, "Oh man, he, man, he's carrying that guy's weapon, and he goes the extra mile." What insult? Jesus is talking to this a group called the Zealots, especially the Zealots. The Zealots are a group of Israelites that wanted to overthrow the Roman government with violence. And he's especially talking to those guys. He's calling them to submit. To submit. Let God take care of that. Let the Lord handle that. So we now we're seeing that now he gives us examples of what he's talking about it from that we live our lives we try to live our lives but when we see this what do we need to hear well as christ followers we certainly need to renounce our rights we have no rights think about all the people like in china or anywhere else in in oppressive governments they have no rights We just heard about how they're taking away their Bibles and burning down their churches or their houses because they're worshiping there. They have no rights. We cannot, like we're trying to do today, say, I have the right and the freedom to do say this or do that, and you can't That that's my freedom. That is a... Certainly, the the country, uh, this country especially, it's a wonderful country that affords us an opportunity to, to have those type of freedom. But you don't have it. You are entrusted with these things by God. God has entrusted you to take care of them, to 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 care for them, to be good stewards of them. This 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 passage is, a, is another difficult passage. We can only submit to doing what Christ is calling you and I to do by His grace. We need His grace to overcome the oppression, to overcome the evil that will oppress us, and not let it to defeat us by letting it by letting it run its course and go and become powerless against us. It, it's powerless against us. We give it power. I want to finish the story of this man with the hatchet real quick. I want to tell you how it ends. When I was being attacked, there was three guys uh, on the third floor of the building uh, the university. There were three guys, uh, two guys on the third floor of the building that were looking down. And then they realized, I found this out later, they realized that they couldn't get to me to help me in time. You know what they did? Call 911. I don't know. They prayed. They got, they locked hands and they started praying for me, for my safety. And I, and I found that out later, I go, well, there you go. That's what happened. I was saved. Your prayers were answered by the Almighty himself. He watched over me. But here's an, here's another interesting twist to this. I told that story to the students in my doctor of ministry class in Waco. I, I told them about what happened. And they were like, "Like, man, they were like, golly, you're lucky here. You know, yeah, I'm glad that you're here, man. He, uh, Praise God. And then I said, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing I quit carrying my gun several years ago because I would always have a gun on my ankle. When I was working, I had two guns. Me. Every time you saw me, I at least had one gun. I had two most of the time, but I had one. Every time you saw me, I don't care where I was at, that was the gym, I'd had a gun in my back, a little fanny pack. I quit carrying my pistol because I couldn't carry it and still feel good about telling people to trust God to take care of them. I couldn't, I just couldn't in clear conscience tell everybody you need to trust the Lord to save you, protect you. And then I have a gun on me. And by the way, get a gun. I mean, that's not the gospel. So I quit carrying it several years before. And I told them that, you know what they did? They go, yes, they just jumped up and they were praising God. They were praising God because I said, I quit carrying my gun. And I I was a little confused. I said, well, I don't understand. I know you're happy I didn't get hurt, but why are you praising God? Like I quit carrying my gun. And one guy stood up and led the group in, in response. He's just one guy. His name was Ebenezer. Now, I want to tell you what that name means. He's from Nigeria. He's a godly man. His name is Ebenezer. He, that Ebenezer, that name means a a, a, mor, a mortarium, a, a, mor, a remembrance of divine assistance. A remembrance of Or a commemorance is a better word, a commemorance of divine assistance. That's what his name means. His name is Ebenezer. And it was him that told me this. He said, we're happy and we're rejoicing because a bullet does not forgive. That's what he said. Isn't that amazing? I had never thought about that. He said, a bullet does not forgive. I'm stunned. I go, "Wow, powerful!" Why? Because that young man who tried to kill me spent a year in in jail, and he was he was assessed seven years probation. But he has an opportunity to repent and receive Christ as a savior. And live forever in the kingdom of God. You cannot make this stuff up. It is real. He is real. When he calls us to be obedient to his word and we read it and we think it's nonsense, it is not nonsense. That is a time for you to get on your knees and ask the Lord to give you clearance. To, to, to give you a better understanding of what it's saying to you and how you are to live your life. And he's telling us not to respond with to, to not to respond to evil with evil. Our natural tendency is to 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 attack the guy or to do something different. And he says let him avenge. That is what you as a Christian are called to do. To live your life in that manner. You're not to perpetrate a bigger crime or a big or a greater sin. And you're not to allow yourself to be used as a sin, a bigger sin. You are to allow to do to to uh, you're allowed to let the Lord take vengeance to protect you and to let the criminal process take its course. Criminal or, or civil. If you're not in Christ right now, you have to dodge bullets. You're dodging a bullet. If you're not in Christ, you're dodging a bullet like that young man. But it's not too late to receive him as Savior and Lord and to celebrate him with your life. Let's pray. Grace. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.